Here's your microphone. Miss Kathleen, I'm going to step out of order here for just a second and ask you to come up so we can celebrate something. We have uh, something exciting starting this week. Will you tell us about it? Sure. Hold on just a second. Okay. This was powered down. Miss Kathleen, I was hoping you would be a little more excited about that. I, I mean, how exciting for our children in our community to be hearing, check out not just the name, but the good news of Jesus Christ. They're not getting, I've, I've been, I, I've, I, last year I went, they're not just getting some uh, soft presentation. Guys, they're getting the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me ask you to put on your calendar. You can do it. I can do it. We can all do it. Uh, what time does it start? 2.45. 2.45. Will you put in your calendar on Thursdays to just throw up a prayer for CEF at Summit Elementary School to be praying that the gospel, that God would open the eyes of the hearts of those children, that we would see a, hey, check this out, a Jesus wave move through our schools. And our schools need Jesus, don't they? Praise the Lord for Kathleen and her team. And uh, count on it. We'll be praying for you and, and what God does there. Uh, just finished a series of messages on conquering our giants. Today we're going to uh, start just a, a few weeks of standalone type messages as we get, come close to the holiday season. We will start a holiday series of messages uh, later in, in November, can you believe November is here almost? I mean, this, my goodness. They already have Christmas decorations out in, in the stores. It's crazy. Uh, but anyway, today we're going to jump in. You, I don't know if you've noticed on your outline uh, the title of today's message, Dealing with Negative People. We're going to look at a text 
out of Mark's gospel. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. Pull those out. Open it up to Mark chapter 5. That's where we're going to spend our time. But before we get there, I need to tell you a story of something that happened to me uh, years ago, and it had an impact on my life for years after that. While coaching in Texas, you know, I think it was pretty common, I know it was common in our school, that every coach had two sports, a primary sport and a secondary sport. My primary sport at the time of this story was uh, the head soccer coach at our high school. My secondary sport was football. That later changed, uh, and I'll, I'll kind of allude to that here in a little bit, but my primary sport was soccer. This one particular season that I'm referring to was not a good season at all. We were losing games left and right. Uh, we would go on four-game losing streaks, uh, similar to our Broncos that Ben referred to, and it just was not good. You know, when losing becomes something that is common, people change. Attitudes change. And the same is true on the other side of the coin. When winning happens often, people change. Well, this one particular season, I was in the midst of uh, a, a bad season. Our team was just, we just weren't very good. And there was, there was one particular athlete on our team that his, fa- <clears throat> excuse me, his family and I had become friends, good friends, in fact, uh, I, I got to know mom and dad. They invited me out to their land to fish in their stock tank. And her, their son, who was on the soccer team, was a good fisherman also. So I mean, we hung out outside of the school realm. And so got to know them very well. And, and I wouldn't say loved, but I, they were good friends. One of the things that happened, I told you, when losing starts becoming common, people change. One of the things that happened on our team uh, in the midst of this losing season was that our players, something happened that, that changed the atmosphere of our team, that players started playing dirty. Now, that's just not me. We will play aggressive and we will play hard, but dirty is not me. It's just not going to be who we are. But in some of these games, we would start losing, we would get down, and it would trigger. Something would trigger it, and the players on our team would switch over from aggressive and hard play to dirty play. And when I noticed that starting to happen, I would pull players off the field, good or bad. They could be the star player on the team, but if I see dirty play, you're coming off the field, and you're going to sit down by me. One particular game, uh, this athlete of this family that I was referring to, he triggered. And he went from playing hard. He was a, he was a very good soccer player. He, he went from playing hard and aggressive to playing dirty. I pulled him off. Come sit down over here by me until you cool off. Let's see what happens. Okay, well, we lose the game. After the game, his parents come walking across the field. And I thought, oh, whew, somebody's coming to make me feel better. <laughs> An encourager is coming across the field. They get over there, and for the next four or five minutes, as my athletes, my team is behind me, getting their cleats back in their bag, and they're getting uh, ready to go home. This mom and dad, right in front of everybody, began to chew a hole straight through me, griping and yelling and screaming. And I, it was probably two minutes, but it felt like an hour. 
You ever been in one of those? And I sat there, and, and I took it. As mom and dad turned to walk away, they were probably from me to you away, Miss Mitty. And the mom turns around and looks me straight in the eye, and she points her finger at me and says, I hope you get fired. And it shook me to my core. How could somebody hope that on somebody? I thought we were friends. I mean, I th- I've been in your home. You've invited me to go fit. And guys, I'm telling you, that rattled me. We're talking about negative people today. You ever been around negative people? They just drain the life right out of you. You ever worked with negative people? You ever had a negative boss? Ben, Anita? (laughs) Hey, you might even know a negative neighbor. Or maybe you have a negative family member. I don't want any nudging. I don't want any elbows. I don't want to be looking. But you might even have a negative spouse. That I'm just telling you, everything seems, there's something wrong with everything. Every turn and every corner of life, there's something wrong, there's something negative. And just can you find something that is positive? Can you find something that is good? You might even have a negative child. That at every turn, there's something. And it just drains the life smooth out of you. You ever been around those kind of people? How do we deal with them? Today we're going to be looking at a text that, that has, a, has a much bigger lesson, but within this, this text, is, there's a small little portion of this text that Jesus encounters negative people. And I want us to notice how Jesus handled negative people. Because I think there's some things that you and I can take away that we can put in our pocket and we can carry with us today and tomorrow and the next day. You might even need it when you get in the car on the way home today. How are you going to handle negative people? I believe we have an example given by our Lord here that we can walk away with. So, the, the Gospel of Mark, it is the second of the four Gospels listed in our New Testament. You have your Bibles open. You see at the beginning of this Gospel, It starts, Mark starts his gospel, not at the birth of Christ, but at the beginning of his ministry. It's the starting of his ministry. Uh, John the Baptist baptizes him right there at the beginning. We begin seeing him do miracles. We see him start calling his disciples out. And, and, hey, follow me, Peter. I'll make you fishers of men. And and we see miracles. And and we see him gathering up his disciples. You see in chapter 2 there he... He calls uh, Matthew, or, or Levi maybe is what it says in your text. But he's calling, he's doing miracles. His reputation is growing. People are hearing about all these things that this man Jesus is doing. He's gathering together his inner circle, his 12. He starts teaching parables. We see that in chapter 2 and 3 and moving forward. We get to chapter 4, and again, there's more 
parables, more teaching. His reputation is growing. He's beginning to gather crowds. Whether he asks for them or not, they're starting to come and crowd around him to listen to him and possibly even experience a miracle for themselves. We get to the end of chapter 4, and it's a very familiar story where Jesus has just had a long day. He he, he's there by the sea, and his disciples say, let's go get in the boat. So they do, and they head out into the sea. You know the story. They get out in the middle of the sea. Jesus is sound asleep in the back of the boat, and a storm comes up, right? You know, you know the story? Storm comes up. Waves are crashing into the boat, and, and his disciples come and wake him up and says, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Jesus <laughs> gets up, stands up in the boat, One of the lines that we just sang in a song, the waves and wind even obey. The waves and wind still know his name today. Keep that in mind. Now, climb into the story with me. This, this storm is going on. Climb into the story with me. Jesus stands up in the boat and says, be still, be quiet. And it's calm. His disciples. What is the facial expression on the 12? Who he's just called. I mean, they didn't just meet him, but he's just called them and said, hey man, follow me. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment. You follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They said, okay, we're in. And now they're in the boat together. I know we don't know how much distance of time between that is, but they're out in the boat. He commands the elements, the nature, natural elements, and they listen. I wonder what the facial expression on the disciples were that day. Dude, did that just happen? Who is this guy? That he can even speak to the forces of nature and they obey. Who is this guy? We get to chapter 5. They make it to the other side of the lake. They get get to the shore, they start walking towards uh, their destination, and they encounter a man that is demon-possessed, walking among the tombs. And you can read the story. They see Jesus coming. When I say they, I'm talking about the demons that are inside this man. They come, this man comes. You can just see him foaming at his mouth. He's a madman. He comes, he falls at the feet of Jesus. These demons within him say, who are you? What do you want with us? And he asks the name and they say, we are legion. Please don't torture us. Jesus says, come out. You know the story. These demons go into pigs. They run off the cliff. Okay. Disturbs everybody. Can you see the disciples' face? <laughs> Faces? Who is this guy? Not only can he speak to the forces of nature and they obey, he's speaking to the, the forces of the spiritual world, the, 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 the evil spiritual forces, and they obey. Who is this guy? Oh, Mark is setting us up, man. I mean, he is building. I don't know if you can, can feel it, but, but he is building on something that we all need to grab a hold of. They get back in the boat to head back across. 
They get to Capernaum, the seashore there. Get out of the boat, and a great crowd is waiting for them, and we pick up our story. Chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus gets out of the boat and he starts heading uh, to his destination, a crowd comes around him. And in this crowd are a couple of people. One of them is a man named Jairus, who is a religious leader. In fact, the, the text tells us that he is the ruler of one of the local synagogues. What is that? It's just the, the local expression of a church just like this. It's a community church, the synagogue. It wasn't the temple like in Jerusalem. It was that town's church, the synagogue. He was a ruler in that particular expression of their church. He's a man that the people in the crowd know, and he makes his way up to Jesus. He squirms his way through the crowd, gets up there. And I'm only guessing with tears in his eyes and desperation in his voice he says will you come and touch my daughter that she may be healed and live my daughter's in trouble will you come and touch her so he says I'll go so he goes with them off they go and the whole crowd is if you can if you can feel it, I don't know if you guys have ever been in a, a crowd that is so tight. It's kind of like the crowd that if you've ever been to a Broncos game and you're walking down those long uh, uh, walkways and it's just shoulder to shoulder people. So, so Jesus is walking towards Jairus' house. Crowd is all around him. And all of a sudden, Jesus stops. He starts looking around because he had realized that power had gone out from him. And he asked a silly question to the disciples, who touched me? And his disciples were probably around him and trying to keep people back from him a little bit. Well, Jesus, everybody's touching you, man. Everybody's crowding around you. Why why would you ask such a question? Who touched me? And, and, And the form of the word says, he kept looking. I bet he was making eye contact with people as he's looking around. And then all of a sudden he makes eye contact with this one woman. And you can see her melt. Busted. She comes up to him. She falls at at his feet. and, And she tells him her story. I've been bleeding for 12 years. I've spent all that I have on physicians, it hasn't helped at all. In fact, it's made things worse. And, and I just thought that if I could touch the hem of your robe, I, I would be healed. I, I just thought if I could just, I would be healed. And he said, daughter, your faith. Ben just prayed about it. I mean, he prayed about us being faithful. Jesus said to this woman, daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go. Be free, be in, in, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, I I mentioned that there were two people in the crowd. 
that is, are in this text. I've already mentioned both of them. Jairus was one of them. We were on the way. Jesus was on the way to his miracle. <laughs> Jesus, he, he got to Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, I'll go. Yes. And so they're on their way, and this lady interrupts his miracle. So this whole time that he's talking with this lady, can you see Jairus over here going, come on, guys, my Apple Watch is saying we got to hurry up, and, and we need to go. Come on, we got to go. we got to go. Hurry up with that lady. Stop talking. Hurry. we got to go. My daughter's in trouble. So he finishes with a lady that looks, about that time they're about ready to leave, and some of Jairus' assistants, some of the people from his household walk up to him and say, hey, why bother? Your daughter's dead. No, no, that can't be. We were on the way. I had my miracle is coming. We were on the way. That can't be. Your daughter's dead. Don't bother the master any longer. Don't make him walk all the way to your house. It's useless. It's, it's of no account for you to do that. Well, don't bother him anymore. Let me ask you a question before we continue the story. Hey, what is your why bother situation in your life? I don't know if you've ever considered this, but, but we titled today's message Negative People in Your Life. I wonder if you're the negative person in your life. Do you have things in your life that you're saying, why bother? It's not going to make a difference. I'm not going to keep trying to restore that relationship. I'm not going to try to mend that with that person. I, why bother? Why bother? It won't matter. It's too late. That relationship is severed too far. Or, or my boss is just too mean. Why bother try to, to, to earn his favor or her favor? Why bother? Do you have a why bother in your life? Why bother? So, back to the story. Ignoring what those people said, Jesus looked over at Jairus. Can you, can you just see it? Here's the lady who, who was healed. And Jairus is over here going, hurry up, hurry. And, and, and when those people came and gave that report, I wonder what Jesus' facial expression was when he looked at Jairus and said, Don't be afraid. Just believe. And they continued. And he only took a few people with him. Check, check the text there. He only took a few people with him, and they start approaching the house. They can hear the wailing. They can hear the crying. They can hear all the people that are, that are upset. Jesus gets there to the house and says, Why are you, why is, why are you guys weeping and wailing? And they, they say, that She's gone. Jesus says, Jesus says, she's not, she's not, she's only sleeping. Now notice what they did. Look at verse 40. They laughed at him. You ever been around negative people? <laughs> they laughed at him. So he takes Jairus and the crew, they go inside, and he took the little girl by her hand. 
and spoke some words in his native Aramaic, Aramaic tongue. Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And it says that the little girl got up and walked around. And they were in amazement. Can, can you see their faces, those three guys and Jairus? Who is this guy? The waves and wind still know his name. We just sang about it. He, he, the demonic forces obey him. He had the, the power to, to heal someone's body. And now this, he has power over death. Who is this guy, Jesus? I wonder what Jesus meant when he looked at Jairus and said, don't be afraid, just believe. I wonder what, I wonder what kind of belief or faith that he was referring to. What did it look like? See, I think in the big picture of this, these few chapters that are running together here, Jesus is teaching a, a huge lesson about faith. It's kind of the big picture here. The, the Jesus that you and I worship each week, who died on the cross for our sins, he, he, this Jesus that we're talking about, who is this guy? He is the guy that stepped out of heaven for you and shed his own blood for you and for me. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He has the power over nature. He has power over the spiritual world. He has power over physical health. He has power over death and sin. That's this Jesus that we're talking about. The faith that Jesus was asking Jairus to, to exercise was the faith that Jairus just witnessed in a woman who came up and said, if I could just touch the hem of his robe, I'll be healed. Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe. Now, don't be afraid and just believe. They're both imperative verbs. So, I mean, he was saying that with some strength. He wasn't asking him. He was saying, Jairus, don't be afraid. In fact, the form of the word indicates that you need to stop doing an action that's already in progress. And we can understand why Jairus would be afraid or fearful or already being afraid. His daughter was in trouble. He knew it. He just got bad news. Jesus looks at him and says, stop it. Jairus, stop being afraid. Just believe. And I want you to believe like that lady that we just encountered. Believe that way. Jairus, I have the ability to restore relationships. Well, that was a word for me and you. Jairus, I have the ability to restore her to life. Just believe. Now, the, one of the questions for me and you today is do you and I believe that Jesus has the power to restore relationships that you and I might have with negative people in our life. So I want us to look at 
at an exchange, and I've already been mentioning it, but some tips for us handling negative people in our life. And I'm going to be looking at verse 36. I'm reading from the New International Version, and it is the, the earlier version of the New International Version. And their translation of verse 36, I believe, is a very accurate, not that the others aren't, and I'll explain in just a moment. But the first tip that I want to give us when you and I deal with a negative boss, a negative coworker, a negative family member, a negative neighbor, a negative spouse, a negative child, you name it, pick it. Your own situation, when you and I encounter those people, the first tip I want to give you is to practice selective listening. Now, there's many wives in this room right now, this moment, that are going, oh, my husband's good at that. He does that very well. Look what Jesus did in 36. Ignoring what they said. Now, some other translations say overhearing or hearing. But as I've studied the word and looked it up, the the idea of ignoring is certainly in the definition. So I, I really like this translation. That's why I chose the NIV this week to teach out of. Do you realize that you and I don't have to listen to every word that comes out of people's mouth? You know, I wish that somebody would have taught me this lesson that day when that mom, who was about as far away as I am from Mitty, turned around and pointed her finger in my face and said, I hope you get fired. Several different meanings that that word can have there in verse 36. Uh, It's the word translated ignoring in the New International Version. The first first way it can can be taken is to overhear something not intended for one's ears. That's one way that some of our translations have overhearing. That's what they're communicating there. Another way to take this, this word, this Greek word, is to pay no attention, pay no attention to or to ignore. That's what these translators how they took it. Another way is to refuse to listen to or to discount the truth of something. Speaking of truth, check this out. When somebody comes to you and, and has negative words, whatever it might be, they're either complaining about you or they, they just, uh, maybe they're just throwing insult after insult at you. You're no good. You're not worthy. Uh, You have never been any good at this. You're a terrible parent. You're a terrible spouse. I wish I would have never married you. I mean, have you ever been around negative people? It is amazing how easy that stuff comes out of their mouth, and it's amazing how hurtful it can be. But do you realize you don't have to listen to it? Check this out. Ask yourself these questions. First one is this, is there any truth in what they said? Is there any truth in there? 
Because if there's truth in there, then it is legitimate for me to stop and take that out. Here's how you do that. Let's just, let's just say all of their words that they just spewed all over you. Let's put them in there. All the, all the venom that just came out of their mouth, let's, it goes in. And let's, and let's look for some truth. Because I can take that truth. Okay. Okay. I, I can take that. I can use that to make me better. But oftentimes, we'll sift and it all comes through. And you don't have to listen to it. But you know what I did that day? I listened to it. And I owned it. And I took it to heart. And for the next couple of years, every game that I coached, you know what I was looking over my shoulder at? To see if the athletic director was coming up behind me to say, you're fired. I coached from a perspective of, I'm a loser. Because I had listened to some words that came out and stuck. It got to the point where I went to the athletic director and I said, listen, I don't think I'm cut out to be the head coach. And I've already talked with the assistant coach and, and, and he, would, he would be glad to switch places with me and I'll take the assistant coach role. And the athletic director was like, that's never happened to me before, but okay, if you guys are good. Because in West Texas in the 1980s, soccer was not that big of a deal. They didn't care. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Guys, I'm telling you. The negative words that that person spoke, they stuck to me. And I wish somebody had taught me the lesson. And if there's truth in there, that helps me. Truth helps me. I can take it, and it can make me better. Second thing I want to point out is to remember who is by your side. Look at what he said after, in verse 36. Don't be afraid. Hey, do you remember just in the last chapter, verse 40 of chapter 4 in Mark, they're out in the middle of the ocean, there's a storm, Jesus gets woke up, by them, Jesus, don't you care that we're about to drown? Jesus calms the storm. The winds and the wave obey him. And what does Jesus say? Look at it with me. Chapter 4, verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Friends, today, one of the things I hope that I can impress upon you through my story is to not walk around the rest of your life looking over your shoulder wondering if you're going to get fired by your friend, by your spouse, by your child, by your coworker. Stop being afraid. Remember who is with you. Jesus said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'm with you. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I am with you. 
I will be with you wherever you go. And when those people that you're going to see tomorrow at work come and they begin spewing venom, you don't have to listen to all those words. You're going to pull your sieve out and you're going to look for truth. And if there's not any truth in there, let it go. And move forward. The third point. And by the, before I get there, don't allow the storm that you're in distract you from who is with you. Oh, you remember when Peter fell? He walked out of the boat and walked across the water, took his eyes off of Jesus, went down. Jesus, save me. Don't let the storm that you're in distract you from who you are with. Don't, let, don't allow the circumstances around you distract you from who is in you. His name is Jesus. Who is this guy? The third that comes out of that verse is to walk in faith. Where the rubber meets the road is for you and I in this moment right now. Do you really believe that Jesus has the power to restore the relationship that you're thinking about right now? Do you? He has the power over nature. He has power over the demonic world, over the spiritual world. He has power over health. He has power over life and death. Do you think that Jesus actually has the power to restore the relationship that you're thinking about? No. Flip back to Mark chapter 2. I'm almost done. Verse 5. When Jesus saw their faith, who's he referring to? You remember the story where the guys couldn't get to Jesus, so they dug a hole in the roof so they could lower their friend down to him? When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sons, your sins are forgiven. Turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 52. Blind Bartimaeus, go, Jesus said, your faith has healed you. Friends, today I hope that you and I walk away with maybe a few tools that we can use when we, work, when we deal with negative people in our lives. But the biggest thing I hope you walk away with today is that the one that we worship every week in this room, corporately together. I told Catherine during the song set today, I cannot believe how many, how these songs are lining up with today's message. Greg emailed me, I think it was maybe Sunday afternoon last week or, or Monday, and said, do you have your text? I said, I'm going to be coming out of 1 John. I had lunch with Greg on Tuesday, and I said, I see that you already have our song set together, but I'm not coming out of 1 John. I'm coming out of Mark 5. And I'm telling you, today, during, I was going, wind and waves, still know your name. I mean, a song after song after song. I, I'm just telling you, there's somebody here today that, that probably needs to be reminded that faith 
opens the door to power. It's a big idea. It's at the bottom of your page. Faith gives people access to power. Unbelief blocks it. And my question for you today is, do you believe the one that we worship every week has the power to help you through and help you wisely navigate the waters of negative people in your life? Today, I hope you walk out encouraged by who is with you and what he's able to do in your life and in the life of others. Let's pray. Father, I come before you and I lift up my friends. And Lord, I ask that today would be a day that your spirit overrides some of the negative speak that many of us have been telling ourselves for a long time. Father, if we've been wounded by words in the past and we've held on to them and we've owned them, we've taken them to heart uh, past a healthy degree, Lord, I pray that today would be a day of liberation, that you would set people free. Father, I pray for the spouse. I pray for the parent. I pray for the coworker. I pray for the boss that has negative people working for him or her. That today they would begin using a sift. They would not believe lies and they would stop living in fear, looking over their shoulder, fearing that they're about to be fired by a loved one. Lord, I lift up today the negative person. Didn't really talk about them today, but, but Lord, I pray for them. That their heart will be turned upside down by your presence, by your power. That is in the text that Miss Rhonda read earlier today. That we would not repay evil with evil. That we would love our enemy, that we would <coughs> seek to do good. <coughs> Lord, this is a day that you've made and we will rejoice in it. We will rejoice in it in victory over the negative arenas of our life. As we leave this place today, go before us, guide every step, help us to not lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask our praise team to...